This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to OrbitalJigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's OrbitalJigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. Hello you numpties, this is the villain Marty Skell and you're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, our patron mailbag series, episode number 33. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and yes, welcome to our show where we answer the questions that you guys send us, and that you guys ask us, and we do our best to try and come up with an answer to, and by you guys, I mean y'all patrons over there on patreon.com forward slash BWO who have signed up for one of our tiers and are supporting this show, for which... We thank you copiously from the bottoms of our hearts yes. because you are what keeps the show running. So thank you very much for that, and thank you for giving us your questions because they are always fun to answer. If you would like to ask a question, head on over to patreon.com forward slash BWO, sign up for one of our tiers, and you too can have your questions answered on this show. And thank you, everyone, for listening to us because it's a hell of a lot of fun all around. Yes. Nick. So I understand that you, you you tell me we have a lot of fun questions today, and I'm 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 excited. Yes. I'm excited because I'm all amped up, man. I've I've, I've had a bunch of like pixie sticks, so I'm all like jittery. <laughs> so I'm all ready for double or nothing, which is going on after this. And I know we got to get through all this to get to double or nothing, but I want to do all the questions too. And Nick, let's go. Yes, I'm ready. Uh, BWPodcast.com and the links in the description if you're watching on YouTube. That's where all the stuff is. Make sure you're in Discord. Uh, you can find a link. You can see it at the bottom of the screen here. But if you're listening in audio, it's probably already past the point that you need to get to the Discord tonight. Anyway, get into the Discord. Uh, <laughs> make sure to follow us everywhere. Sign up for an awesome reward tier. And make sure you're subscribed here on YouTube because we are launching BWO Daily starting Monday evening. It will be up uh, sometime in the evening. Uh, but we will be doing a Monday through Friday show right here on YouTube exclusively. So make sure you subscribe to youtube.com slash busted wide open and uh, got your notifications turned on so you can get alerted anytime those videos go up. But on to the questions, mm. starting off with Mr. Martin Welch from across the pond. How are you, sir? I know I am a little late for this question, but I forgot it last week and the week before. You both have to choose four men and four women from any roster in the world and create your dream money in the bank match. Oh, and because I'm an ass and obviously forgot the manner I grew up with, hello, gentlemen, and I hope you're doing well this week. Thank you, Martin. I hope you're doing Thank well you, as Thank well. Thank you very much. Uh, four men and four women from Ooh. any roster in the world and create your dream money in the bank match. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm reading into that as intergender. Are we doing an intergender money in the bank match with four men and four women? Uh, yes, or... 
He didn't yeah, say I guess two so. matches. He said a match. A match. All right. So four women off the top. Oscar, I've got to throw in there because I'm an Oscar mark. I fully, I fully embrace it in a minute. Um, <laughs> Mako Satomura, just because I want to see the two of them in a ring again together. Oh, God, uh, <laughs> she might and, die though with a ladder match, and then I don't care. No, Wait, she's uh, not. I do care. Hold on, that was horrible. I do care. I do care. If she dies. I don't. I don't think she will. I don't think that that's a like Mako Satomura is not going to die in a ladder match. Okay. Uh, Jesus, Oscar Mako Satomura, Charlotte. I'll throw in Shayna Baszler into that. I'm just going to get Marky on this. I'll take all my mark my markouts. Be like, yeah, that'd be a sick. That'd be a sick. Because uh, if this is inter- if this is intergender, this intergender, that's four women who believably can do intergender matches, as well. Yes. Are you done? You, yeah. Was your, I th- did you get a fourth? I heard Oscar, Mako, Charlotte, Shayna. Oh, okay. Uh, mine would mine would I would also include Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to throw Tessa Blanchard in there. I'm going to th- throw Thunder Rosa in there. And I'm going to go for a curveball and throw a Kelly Klein in there. What? Yeah, dude. There's my four. Uh, and then I'm going to take a... Oh, all right, so that there's so there's our four women. How about our four men? Mm. Ladder match. Money in the bank ladder match. Hmm. I'm going to say it's a ladder match. Osprey Ricochet. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Osprey Ricochet, Hiromu you Takahashi. You don't even need two more men. Just, just those, <laughs> Too just, late. Too late. Uh, yeah. Hiromu Takahashi, I'm throwing him in there. Um, oh, I just and, his neck. Oh, he'll be fine. He's fine now. Do you see him? He was rolling around on his neck the other day. He wanted, he wanted to prove how good his neck was. Okay. Um... And pack. Beat that. I'm going to go Phoenix. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go Kenny Omega. All right. Have my attention. I can't. All right. I don't want to be the same as you. I want to put a heavy in this one. (laughs) Of course you do. Of course you do. Uh, Lance Archer. <laughs> Why even need a ladder? Right. He gets up two steps. They can just climb up him, right? <laughs> and for the wild card, I'm going to sprinkle a little hot sauce on it and put a Minoru Suzuki in there. What? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Mako Satomura and you're like, oh, she's going to die in a ladder match. You put, you put Murder Grandpa in there? Murder Grandpa in a ladder match with Lance Archer. <laughs> Phoenix. And it are was they the other, still, Kenny Omega? Are Lance and Minoru still on a team? Because Lance was was Suzuki Gun. Yeah, you never know. They could team right. up. There all you right. go, Martin. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I, at I all. like both of those sets. Actually, I'm 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 kind of a fan of both of. You went for the high flyers. I went for the heavy hitters, except for Phoenix. Yeah, which you need at least one in there to do crazy st- spots off the top of ladders. And also, uh, Martin, you're welcome. We're not we're not doing this all in accents yet this week. Yeah, there you go. No, 
Although no, I resist. Ian seems to be up for it, but I'm not doing the challenge for oh, all the different oh, reasons. Just, just wait, lad. It's coming for you. About all that I know is the terrible Yorkshire accent because one of my best mates is from Leeds. See, now you actually have to do a terrible Yorkshire accent. Well, here's the funny thing. Like when I would have Skype, con I would go over to his place and I would have conversations with his mom and on Skype and I could not understand an effing word she said. She, <laughs> she might as well have been speaking Yiddish or Russian or something. Like I had no idea. She was speaking English. It was just Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Yeah. Reminds when I go visit my Glaswegian family. Can I stand on what did they say? Because they say it's all fast. The Scottish accent It's just like, what? Well, the last got glass. <laughs> Who leaves to we find out what did it? Hey. Hey, what? Hey. Out in the fields of the sheep. And, and I'm, and I'm not going to dare try to do the Cockney gangster East End London accent because no. right. it's just, there's too many C words used. Mar in, in <laughs> <laughs> right. There's, there's too much colorful <laughs> language used. We're not a family show, but we're not that kind of show either. Right, right. All right. Well, so well, so so maybe accents in the future at some point will embarrass ourselves, but not, not today. <laughs> well, well, that I, day is not today. Since we normally do movies too, I'll throw a recommendation out there. If you like that kind of stuff or you're into those kind of movies, uh, one of the one of the best worst movies I've ever watched is We Still Kill the Old Way. <laughs> oh wow! If you like East End. Cockney gangster movies. I was going to say Cockneys versus Zombies, but I guess we come from a different world there. Oh, right? no, 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 no. Okay. It, Moving on. Yes. Uh, next up, Jake. <laughs> thank you, Martin. Next up, Jacob asked, Poof, you get to be transported into the body of any wrestler in history to have a true front seat to a match. What wrestler and what match do you choose? Hope all is well. Oh, man. Oh, man. I would um, absolutely want to be at WrestleMania 3. No, you have to be the wrestler. You're in the Wait, wrestler. You're in the wrestler's I body. I have a front seat to a match. Your literal front, like oh, you're I'm literally in, in the, the match. match. Yes, you have to be in a match. What match do you choose? I would want to be Steamboat in the match with Savage. Really? I just. Oh God! What? Just or, or Shawn Michaels in the match with Taker? Or? You know, just. I've, well, I'm trying to think of all my all-time favorite like dream matches that have happened over the course of history, and just see. So I went for I, I'm I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking of like it's got to be one of those moments where at the end of the match you get that like all time pop like Daniel Bryan at the end of WrestleMania 30 Kofi Kingston after beating Daniel Bryan sure. last year like one of those all time feel good pops and for whatever reason this is sticking in my mind but I would want to be British Bulldog beating Bret Hart at SummerSlam in Wembley Wow. I didn't see that coming. The feeling, oh my God, <laughs> hometown, like that's a, that's an all-time feeling right then. Like that's a Jesus Christ, I should retire after that kind of moment. And, and they put on a fantastic match too. So knowing that you crushed the match and you won in front of your home country and they're losing their freaking minds and it's enormous. There's so many people. That is a good one. I've got to go with that one. What if you're Shawn Michaels and you get to retire Ric Flair with, I'm sorry, I love you? Oh, no. That's a horrible feeling. <laughs> no, I would not. No, I would not want to. I wouldn't want to be either of them in that match. No, uh-uh. And I know, you know what else? I wouldn't want to be Mick Foley in Hell in a Cell either. Okay, no. so there's, <laughs> but there's legendary would, matches I wouldn't want to be, wouldn't, would, not, would not, not, not want to be a part of. Yeah. I don't want to be Undertaker facing Brock Lesnar at, at, at 30 either. 
No. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Steamboat having cost. the match with Savage at three. That's 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 gonna be mine, I think. Oh, Marshall in the chat actually says he would let, he want to be Hogan when he turned at Bash on the Beach and have had trash thrown up. One of the greatest oh. heel turns of all time, if not the best. That that would have had to have been so much fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. What if what if you could slip in not a match, but you could be mean gene witnessing live right in front of you the magic of the super the mega powers? That handshake? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The mega powers coming together. Yeah. Brother. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would Dig be it. fun too. It's not a match, but yeah, be mean gene in front of Hogan and Savage doing their thing. Yeah. Oh, oh God, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. That was a fun the one, Jake. Oh, the two hands joining up together. Oh, Dig it. not bad. Not Thank bad. you, Jacob. Uh, next up, Jesse asks: In terms of overall revenue loss, impact to the industry, and/or careers destroyed, what do you think the five worst booking uh, decisions in history are? Ooh. I mean, okay, so Jesus. I'm- <laughs> I'm real opinionated about this. Okay. <laughs> I think we, we had this question either a while ago or we did a bonus episode of something about this, but like I truly feel the worst, the worst. I mean, you can talk about the the end of days of WCW, and if I'm doing a top five, you've got to throw David Arquette winning the title and Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, <laughs> Kevin Nash tasing Goldberg as being two of the worst booking decisions ever. Those have to be two of them. So end days of WCW have to be in the conversation. Yeah. But the fumbling of the ball that WWE did with the invasion angle, and I'll I'll even so invasion angle and Stone Cold turning heel are are two, I'm gonna say two of the five as well. So you've got That's Arquette three. winning the title. No, Arquette Four. winning the title, Nash tasing Goldberg, uh, Stone Cold turning heel, but then the invasion angle as a whole. Okay was so freaking bungled it destroyed like you can watch the the ratings you can watch the revenues them bungling that was the biggest drop off in the history of the industry bar none hands down you can't argue it the numbers are there the numbers don't lie and they spell disaster for WWE it was it was it turned everybody off because you jobbed out and made look like fools an entire organization that people were watching and some of them were crossover fans with WWE some people were like hardcore WCW people but some of them were crossover they're doing both but they genuinely cared about people on both brands making DDP look like a a a, a, a goon an idiot a psycho uh you know stalking the undertaker and he couldn't win a match he lost a match to undertaker's wife that insulted everybody who ever rooted for DDP in a WCW right uh they couldn't get any of the big guys, so they had all the mid-card guys and made them all look like goons. And then you brought in ECW as well and made them all look like goons, except for the couple of guys who stood out, like Rhino and uh, RVD, who kind of you know managed to rise above the rest of the crap. It was completely bungled from start to finish, and there's never been a bigger drop-off in viewership or revenue than in the years after that. It's the reason why, when they talk about how great it was, the, the ruthless aggression era, Vince going, well... We've screwed up everything, so I need someone to come and step in. Stone Cold and The Rock are gone. That wasn't the reason you screwed it up. Is because you, you messed up the invasion angle. Yep. You could have survived without Stone Cold or Rock if you hadn't made Booker T look like an idiot, DDP look like an idiot, all these people that you bring in from WCW and you make the WWE guys look like gods. 
But you still, I, oh, I could go off on this. The invasion's got to well, be the worst. No, one. a little bit of context is important here, so I appreciate that. The other thing that they highlighted in Ruthless Aggression was that they didn't have any. Uh, we they bought WCW, right? We had that whole big thing. I bought them. That we had that whole big thing, and then over the coming next year, none of the names that we really knew from Monday Nitro came over. Like, none well, of, they, they, were, they all, they all, it was, it was better. It was more lucrative for them to sit out their contracts and get right. paid from Turner than to go over to WWE because WWE wasn't paying them that much. So if all the mid-card guys came over because they were like, well, crap, we're not making enough money. Let's go. They all got made to look like idiots. So then guys like Sting were like, um, no, I'm not going to go there and be made to look like a fool. So instead of having all of this influx of talent, which they could have made so much money with, they decided to insult this whole company because they're petty and they were the, they were the competition. They insulted them all, insulted the fans who cared about them and watched them. And instead of taking that money, taking that ball, and running with it, they threw out the door and they took their, their viewership from you know, 8 million people down to 4. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do one more. You did 4. I'm gonna do a, I'll throw a fifth one in there and we can move on. Um, I think Vince... Uh, first of all, I want to say I love the Mr. McMahon being a foil for Stone Cold. I loved the dynamic back and forth, but he never should have taken the title off of him. Who? What? McMahon. Should never have taken the title off of? Stone Cold. Oh. At which point? He took it off of, off of Oh, he should never have won it from him? Correct. Uh, the Ministry of Darkness stuff, wasn't it? They, that was like the, at their peak. That was when they were at their high. Like, so it obviously wasn't a revenue loss. I understand, but that was the that's, that felt like the beginning of the end. You know, but he the, he asked specifically revenue loss. Uh, what was it? Impact of the industry. What was the other careers destroyed? Was the other uh, one? Oh, yeah, uh, re- overall revenue loss, impact of the industry, or uh, and or careers destroyed. The five worst booking decisions. It's got to be that era because that's where you go over the top to the bottom. The middle of you know, McMahon takes the title off of Stone Cold. We're still riding high, and we have a, yeah. a high industry. No one's losing their jobs over that. That was still good that's stuff. That's true, so. but it, the funny thing is like all of the things that we're, we've talked about so far have all kind of been concentrated in that sort of two- to three-year time span, haven't they? Right. The big part of them. The, 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 the acquisition of WCW, the invasion, the botched invasion angle, the not – pushing your WCW superstars as the they world, make their entry. McMahon and Stone to, Cold and, and like all of that stuff happened all sort of within the same three to five years. But according to Jesse's terms here, we're talking about impact of the industry. I could say that Roman Reigns winning the 2015 Rumble and the, the super push of Roman Reigns for those four years oh, yeah. hurt, hurt WWE intensely and it actually changed how the, how the whole industry is because it, it, it exacerbated the rise of the indies which then WWE pillaged um, and it pushed a lot of other people down the card. The same with the super push of John Cena. You could also say uh, the booking decision to have Hulk Hogan run rampant over all of the territory stars that, w- that Vince brought in in the WWF in the 80s was a terrible business decision, but sure. yet it actually ultimately made the WWE such a huge powerhouse that it actually helped the industry, so I would actually argue counter to that. But around that era, Sergeant Slaughter turning heel created one of the worst buy rates in WrestleMania history, so Sergeant Slaughter going heel right might, during the Iraq might, War. Be considered on this. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the Iraq War, could have been one that could have been considered one of the worst decisions. When Schwarzkopf was like at like peak superhero right. status, right? Oh, dude, I'm, uh, dude Sergeant Slaughter. Right, let's turn Easter Sergeant fight. Slaughter. Let's make him a give him some foreigner heat. Jesus Christ, guys, come on. Yeah, that was a terrible one, but I don't know if it changed the industry though. 
That's the that's the big. I think you're absolutely spot on. The bungling of the invasion of the just the general introduction of WWE yeah. and into WWE was just a complete that that one to two year period. Stone Cold. Uh, heel turn and the invasion has to be because that's such a huge precipitous drop off of viewership and revenue. That's got to be it, in my opinion. Shout out to my boy Dooley for hanging out in the chat. What's up, man? Oh. Uh, let's see. What? Thank you, Jesse. Oh, Jesse had a follow up. He said, "Which feuds were you dying to see that never actually happened?" Oh man. Um. Jeez. Oh, uh. God, I'm struggling to think of it off the top of my head. I- I'm sure if I had time to think about this, I could come yeah. up with them. There's plenty that I've said, oh, my God, why didn't we get this feud? Even in well, the last five to, to five to eight years, the last decade, there's been several of them I can think of off the top of my head. I'm trying to think feuds or, or matches because there's times when matches happened, but we didn't get a feud and it was just kind of like a one-off. Right. You know? AJ uh, Finn Balor. We never got a proper like an AJ Finn Balor. We had that match randomly. Uh, in yeah, the but it was summer, ex- a couple no, years exactly. Ago. But it was never a feud. It was never a feud. Like I, I never was a feud. Like, oh my god, it's the Prince and AJ Styles again. Yeah. Yes, we never we never settled all of that out, like off the ni- back ni- of the in Bullet 92, Club. In ninety two, you had Shawn Michaels and Macho Man Randy Savage, and they had a bit of something happening. But you could have had a match between them that year, and it never happened. Yeah, but that was before, that was that was before they believed in Shawn, though. So that makes sense. But it's still like. What if Macho Man and Sean? You know what I mean? Yep. Um, or like one that I always... Okay, so, you know, I'm a Jake the Snake, Mark. Dude never got a shot at the title. Why didn't we have Hogan and Jake the Snake in like whatever it was, 90 or 91? You know, why didn't Jake get a shot at the title? Mm, good point. Um, good point. <sighs> trying to think there, more recently. There's a handful of these I could come up with. Uh, I think we've all spent the last five or so years lamenting over Roman Reigns and his yeah, uh, domination push. Yeah. Um, so it's been hard to find feuds that you wanted when you're too busy and preoccupied with, with that kind of stuff. But I, th- I think of some of the things over in New Japan, we've mostly gotten a lot of the, I don't know if I'd call them feuds, but we've at least seen matches. Sorry, I've been, I got the hiccups. I've been chugging Gatorade over here. Powerade. Ew. Thirsty. Uh, uh, I don't know. Nothing's coming off the top Stone, of my head. Stone Cold Hogan. That was a missed opportunity. At the same thing we were just talking about earlier with the invasion. Like you, you we went for Rock and Hogan. Yeah, I think which, Rock which and Hogan make an was argument bigger for. though than at the time when they did that. I think it's it was bigger than Stone. I think Stone Cold. We were past Stone Cold at that point. That's kind of the problem. Is like the timing just wasn't quite right. Yeah, but like. Or, you know, at the time, I remember being at the time, a Stone Cold Goldberg was like the biggest thing that you, we could have wanted. And then that time just never, timing's never happened on that. Undertaker Sting, you know, timing was never right for that. Um, Did we ever yeah, get a... Undertaker uh, Sting. It's John, John Cena Tanahashi. Oh, I mean, that's just dream match shit, right? That's cross. Yeah, yeah. well, I, why not? Why not dream match this? Yeah. Like prime, prime... 2000, 2013 or 14 John Cena versus 2013 or 14 Tanahashi. My God. My God. I can just <laughs> hear the guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then... Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jesse. Those are some good ones. Uh, next up, Abraham says, Hey, guys, been a while. Hope to be back live with you soon. 
Hope so too, brother. Hope you're well. We'll welcome you back with open arms, brother. Uh, Question. So what is the greatest match ever? (laughs) (laughs) It's not Randy Orton and Edge that we're going to get. So (laughs) clearly Edge and Orton will be good, but not a classic. And opinions on what classifies a match great is up for debate. But what would be Ian's and Nick's greatest match ever? Oh my God! Come on, man! You make me pick amongst my children. This is beauty. This is brutality. I mean, I can't narrow it down to one. Uh, Michael's Undertaker at twenty-five. Done. Oh my! There you go. Oh, pff, all right. Well, Nick can. God uh, damn. Pff, uh, Three stages of hell match with Triple H and uh, Stone Cold. I always throw that out as being one of my favorites as well. That is <laughs> uh, that's, you know, that's that's in my top five. It's not Edge and freaking Randy Orton. <laughs> At their, and even that, yeah. at their golden age, right? And you know what? I mean, you know, there's always the argument of recency bias, but we've had more all-time classic matches in the last five years than in my entire life before that. And I, I've gone back and looked. Yeah, I've gone back and looked at the old matches that I was like, oh man, those were so good. And I'm like, yeah, but Osprey Takagi was better. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Where there's just been so many damn good matches in the last few years between the storylines and the the work rate ah, it's it's so hard to answer this question now partly because i'm worried about recency bias and partly because i genuinely do feel like we have seen some of the best wrestling in history in the last few years um yeah we have i've gone i've looked i've gone back and looked at these classic matches you go back and look at Steamboat Macho Man, which you were just talking about. It's a great match. It's really good. But you put that against, I don't know, Tyler Bate and Walter. You take, you take the Sean and Brett Iron Man match and put it against uh, Kenny Omega and, and, and uh, Kazuchika Okada going, going Broadway. Uh, it's Okada and Omega obviously put on a better match than Sean and Brett. Period. Hard stop. Come at me. They did. Now, Sean and Brett laid the framework. You know, uh, Sean and Razor Ramon with their ladder match. Great ladder match. But I'm sorry, that six-way ladder match in NXT between all those guys was definitely a better match. It was a better ladder match. It was a better match. I can't remember who said it last night in the Discord watching SmackDown. But somebody said, you know what would be funny? Watch the... uh, Watch the Orton and Edge match after all this build-up be a 30-second squash match. (laughs) Dude, I okay. Somebody so I when they roll that. each other up, and it's like I the greatest match ever. And it's, show, it's all McMahon going. <laughs> <laughs> right? I did say this on the show because I was waiting for Raw when we when we talked more about Edge and Randy Orton. But I'll bring it back up then. I'm they're going so hard into this greatest wrestling match ever thing. I'm sitting here going, this has to be a swerve. Yeah, they've got to be pulling our leg. They have to. There's something else they've got to be doing here because this is it's too much. It's too ridiculous. Yeah. There was it's even a thing ridiculous. on SmackDown last night where they were doing the, and now, uh, now yeah. we're going to have a match between Braun Strowman and Miz and Morrison, but they've got the lower third card up for the greatest wrestling match, like ever. match ever. And I'm going, wait, which, which one are they calling the greatest? Is Braun Strowman in a handicap match versus Miz and Morrison going to be the greatest wrestling match ever now? <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, what is going on? <laughs> so, no, I... Uh, it will not be the greatest wrestling match no. ever. I can think of 15 matches in the last two years that will be 
Yeah, that are that are that are, are better than this could ever be. And Daniel I Daniel Bryan gauntlet match against Richard. Evolution at, at, Jesus. at thirty-one. Just was it thirty-one? I think it was thirty-one. Anyway, <sighs> just yeah, yeah. That, for, for me, my vote WrestleMania twenty-five. Yeah. I can't choose one, man. I can't choose one. I can give you a whole. I can give you three, them. you know, but that then I'm going to start getting into ties. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, that that one stands out definitely for right. me. Uh, you can't not say Omega Okada uh, in the in there in that conversation. I've even got fond memories of uh, Ibushi Tanahashi a couple years ago. Yeah. When Tanahashi uh, won the G1, I just got goosebumps even thinking about it. Mm. All right. But yes. Yeah, we got to go. We got we got a pay per view to watch. Thank you, Abraham. <laughs> uh, let's up, Brad. Hello, phenomenal ones. I hope everything is still staying safe out there in this new normal. Since this whole stay at home edict, I've found myself looking into more podcasts and searching out new music and groups, at least new to me. Just wondering what Ian and Nick are listening to podcast wise or discovering new bands. Besides the BWO podcast and Conrad's stable of podcasts. I've been binging the No Sleep podcast audio horror series or stories and some true crime series. I've also found a few new bands I have been playing on loop, Motionless in White, A Day to Remember, Falling in Reverse. One surprise has been the HU band, the Who Who, band, Mongolian Metal. Yes. Really? You have my attention. I found uh, found a song of theirs the other day that they did with um, uh, Lizzie Hale. That was pretty cool. Ooh. Yeah, from Hailstorm. Okay. Pretty damn intense and would make some great interest music if one were so inclined. Check them out on Very YouTube. True. I will be looking into Mongolian metal. So, uh, Ian, do you listen to other podcasts from time to time? Do you find you yourself know listening to podcasts? You know what's funny? I don't as many as I should as much as I should. I've kind of stuck to my my wheelhouse because I've been I've been, you know, kind of doing much more concentration on wrestling stuff. So I've been pretty much sticking to the wrestling podcasts that I normally listen to, you know, Wade Keller and, and Meltzer and Jericho and uh, when he's doing it, Stone Cold and all the typical ones, you know, yeah. um, trying to stay away from our competition, except for, you know, unless they're my boys, like, like going in raw, um, just because I don't want to, I don't want to hear someone else's podcast and then second guess what we do on this one. Or have um, bi- introduce bias into our own opinions and things like that. Introduce bias or just change how, how we do our show. So, yeah. Yeah, so I've actually not been going out of my wheelhouse on podcasts, so I'm afraid I don't have anything new to to bring to the table on that one. Um, as far as bands, um, the last new band that I just kind of started grooving to, um, I was really I was really jamming to Pelican for a while there. So um, and that led into Cloud Kicker. So it's been it's been kind of um, what would you call it? Po- like post metal. Kind of stuff where it's there's yeah. no there's no lyrics. It's just kind of like put it on the background and just something to jam out to. It's it's final boss guitar music. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> there used to be a station a or a, a group of folks on Pandora that I would listen to 15 some years ago. It's called Black Magic, and it was nothing uh-huh. but like final boss Final Fantasy music, and it was just crazy guitar solos, like endless minutes of Tanahashi's entrance. If you could think about it that way. Right, it was just that crazy kind of guitar guitar riffs that you'd have on during final bosses in video games. Um, I'm looking through my Spotify here, and there are quite a few that I've uh, discovered. There was, uh, and and funny enough, through NXT, I've found a couple of bands like Wage War. Um, the 
Triple H has introduced to as an NXT thing, but they've got several really good songs. Check out Wage War if you're into into the metal. Um, but my big one that I slept on but found late um, is called Blood Simple. Oh yeah, Blood Simple is doing. They did some really. I discovered one of their albums randomly on Spotify from like 2007, and in 2019 it was my most listened to thing for the year. It's, it's crazy how much how much of their music I listen to. So yeah, check out Blood Simple. Check out Wage War uh, if you're into metal. I I tend to go back and listen to a lot of throwback stuff too. I've been really into Wu Tang recently. Like I I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've rediscovered Wu Tang. I hear they're nothing to f with. No, the whitest no. thing I've ever said in my no. life. No. <laughs> <laughs> I hear the uh, Wu Tang Clan is nothing to f with, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Shaolin shadow boxing. Uh, Wu Tang style. style. I actually, uh, it's funny because I haven't, I haven't discovered a whole lot of new stuff. I've been since this has all been going on. I've been going back to it, like you said. I've been doing throwback stuff, like uh, been just crushing Pink Floyd recently. Oh. Um, JB actually got me listening to uh, Rumors again by, by Fleetwood Mac. And I know I'm getting old when Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, I'm sitting there going, this album is absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's, what, you, what? what? Miss Nix, Miss, it's South Park reference, sorry. Oh, Jesus Christ, I thought you were, I thought you were on Pink Floyd still, we were doing Animals. No, you said sorry. Fleetwood Mac, and I, I'm, I'm, never mind. Yeah, Let me talk about podcasts for a minute, because this, this is an area where I spend a lot of time. Uh, I, I do listen to a ton of podcasts. A lot of time that I'm listening to podcasts, I'm I'm also, for the same reasons you said, I'm not listening to wrestling podcasts. I'll watch some of their YouTube shows from time to time, or I'll have them on on the other monitor while I'm doing other stuff. Um, <coughs> I do enjoy what the What Culture guys do, mostly Simon's stuff. I enjoy the ups and downs. I enjoy some of their uh, top tens that they do from time to time. Uh, but for the most part, that's that's about it for me. Uh, on the wrestling stuff. Most of my information is coming from wrestling Twitter. Um, that's why you do the news and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> For what it's worth. Uh, from podcasts, though, mine are mostly documentary stuff. Uh, the one I've listened to recently is the story of WeWork. Uh, that's a really good one. And then I've also, uh, here at the Orbital Jigsaw Network, we've got one called Historium that I'm a big fan yeah. of. Uh, he They're tell, good. They're he great. tells yeah. a fantastic story, and it's yeah. some of them are short and digestible, and some of them are really, really long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things like the uh, the Haitian Empire, as we were discovering America and first building up America, uh, the color blue and what that meant to certain world leaders, the Emu Wars in Australia from a long time ago, right? <laughs> okay. Right? After a big war, civil war that they had in Australia, emus, emus were ravaging because they were being overbred and it was overpopulated, so they were destroying all of the agriculture in Australia. So they went out and st- went on. They st- they waged this war. Is a- <laughs> this is a real story. This, this really is about as far happened. from wrestling as you could possibly get, by the way. I just want to throw right. that out there. So emu, listen, emu, Brad, emu wars in Australia. Right. Welcome to the pro wrestling podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking I about listen emu to, wars. I listen Australia. to historical and documentary podcasts. I don't really listen to other <laughs> wrestling podcasts because <sighs> you don't really need to if you listen to Busted Wide Open. So there, I said it out loud. Hi guys. Um, the yeah, that's that's me for podcasts. I spend a lot of my time. We have California Dreaming, uh, which yep. is all true crime. Uh, we have Ian's Horror Palooza for horror movies and all kinds of stuff that is fantastic. Uh, we've got an Instagram influencer podcast, if you're into that world, with my girl Esther and her two best friends uh, doing one called Swiping Up. That one is skyrocketing. That one's exploding. Uh, there's all kinds of good shows that we've got. 
uh, outside of busted wide open and wrestling. If you're looking to diversify your, your <laughs> Di- listener, diversify your bonds. Yes. But yeah. great question, Brad. Uh, love yeah, that. Quick, sh- quick shout out to, uh, to two of the, the, the good metal bands I'm listening to right now, Insomnium and God Hand. If you like really, really hard shit, go check out God Hand. They're that, freaking that, insane. Uh, I feel like that would scare me. It did scare you. I sent it to you, and you were like, no, it's too much for me. Yeah, that's a bit. Sometimes Ian sends me stuff. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's that's more you, man. That's not it's so much It's pretty much, much universal. <laughs> like, you send me stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's got a good groove to it. I send you stuff. You're like, this scares me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a couple of super chats. Kyle says, "Watch Edge versus Orton turn into a wrestling musical match because yes. they are sampling the Greatest Showman to promote it." What? Oh, they are. They're li- they licensed. Uh, 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 this is the Greatest Show. <laughs> oh, Randy man. Orton, oh, superstar. R- oh oh no, man, Jesus. Uh, a Swerve Russo couldn't do. Thank you very much, Kyle. Marshall, oh, Marshall says, uh, $2 in the chat. Bad Wolves is a great listen. I'll check them out. That's a good one. Bad I'll Wolves. Know. Okay. I'll I think someone threw out Chingon as well, and Chingon is... Oh, yeah. Chingon is Chingon. Yeah. Thank you very much, Brandon. Or, sorry, Brad. Brandon is next. He says, hi, fellas. I've got one non-wrestling question and one wrestling question. All right. What are some of your favorite characters and casting choices for characters in movies and TV shows? His three would have to be Jack Sparrow, Ted... And Heath Ledger Joker. Uh, three of my favorite casting choices are Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Mm. Uh, Rami Malek. Yeah. Oh, no, as... don't you come at me with Tom Holland as Spider-Man. He's perfect. Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury and Margot Robbie as Holly Quinn. Yeah, I, I, I right. absolutely think Margot Robbie might yeah. go down as one of the better casting choices. If they could ever. only give her a good movie, that'd be great. Exactly. Birds of Prey was... We have people that worked on it. Uh, we're going to have to have a conversation sometime about Tobey Maguire versus Tom Holland. Matt, if you're listening, Birds of Prey was fine. I well, could bad. not possibly agree more of the Rami Malek casting of, for Freddie Mercury. Yeah, again, too bad it wasn't, uh, wasn't a, for a good movie for him. Well, uh, I, I I like Mr. Robot, too, so I'm, I'm kind of a fan of his. You're partial. Role. You're partial. Yep. Uh, some of your favorite characters and casting choices in movies and TV shows. What would you? What do you have examples of the perfect castings for TV and movies? I mean, I'm gonna have to. I mean, this is tough because I could say, you know, Tasha, ta, you know, Tashiro Mifune is uh, Musashi Miyamoto would be one of the greatest of all time in the Samurai trilogy. But we're gonna. That's a deep dive. Um, I could. I. I think probably. Um, or you know, Kane Hodder is Jason. But um, going more recently, like I just watched every one of the Marvel movies back to back, and Jesus Christ, if Chris Evans isn't the most inspired choice for Captain America, I mean, you could say with a lot of the Marvel choices, but that dude brings something to the Captain America character that is so ineffable, and if it wasn't there, it would not have had the impact that it did. You could say the same thing about about uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Tony Stark, except that Tony Stark is basically Robert Downey Jr. writ large. Yep. Um, and it's it's where and, the, and Captain America is more Chris Evans. Chris Evans is Chris Evans, but he's definitely not playing Chris Evans when he's playing Captain America. He's playing Captain America. Yeah. And I would say the same thing about Thor, where he's just you know he's kind of playing a heroic version of himself. There's something that Chris Evans brings to Captain America. I I don't know how they will ever replicate it. I don't. 
Like you've got how many 18 different guys playing who've played Batman and they've all a different interpretation. I don't know how you ever find somebody who nails Captain America the way that Chris Evans did. No. And, and um, same, same thing about RDJ as Iron Man. And frankly, I'll go out on a limb and say, had RDJ not nailed Iron Man, perhaps the MCU would not have made oh, it. No, it completely wouldn't have. I they love needed talking that about first that. Iron Man to absolutely erupt for the, the MCU gamble. that we know today, the 20 films that we know today to have existed you know you know i would love i love talking about comic book history and people don't appreciate how insane it was to cast robert downey jr in a superhero movie at that time and have that character be iron man and what a c-level no one gave a crap about him character that was at the time i i would love to go off about how insane it was that the whole marvel universe exists because it's based on a giant gamble just like lord of the rings based on a giant gamble we're not a movie podcast so i don't want to dwell on it but yeah that's but the patrons pay to ask to. us questions <laughs> i'm going to answer their questions whatever they may I be know, uh, I know. you've, I just, I you've had bad. enough time hang on you said lord of the rings and that's where i was going to go right then go oh gee all oh, the casting there come on ian mckellen is gandalf yep done all that, time just never you it couldn't possibly be more perfect well, and christopher lee is saruman yes i mean i'll throw a richard armitage in there as thorn oakenshield as well just absolutely nailed it um, pretty good. You know, as there's a lot of great examples of casting. I, lo- I love that um, right. that Andy Circus was almost an accident that he sent in. He just he sent in a tape on a whim of doing the crazy Gollum voice that I'm not even going right. to try to do, and he took a shot at it, and they absolutely loved it. So yeah, I'm. I'm there's a lot of examples out there of like perfect castings. Um, that that you could, but minor. I, I look at things like Lord of the Rings, big, big foundational movies, the MCU, places like that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny thing. If you mentioned um, Lord of the Rings, uh, you know that Viggo Mortensen wasn't originally supposed to play Aragorn, right? Originally, right. they actually they actually filmed for two weeks with Stuart Townsend. He did the six months of training beforehand, and they filmed two weeks with Stuart Townsend, the guy who was uh, Lestat and Queen of the Damned. Oh, and they, okay. they filmed for two weeks with him, and they were like, "You're just not Aragorn." And they brought in like their second or third choice was Vigo, and they brought him in like partway through filming. The dude had to learn how to swing a sword while filming, and he ended up being the guy who did the the sword stunts for that movie. Um, had been doing it for for decades. One of the most legendary sword, and I I, I feel terrible for forget, for forgetting his name, but he's one of the most legendary uh, sword choreographers in history. He also did Princess Bride. And he said that Vigo was the most natural swordsman he ever worked with. So, I, yeah, I could go off on I'm, Lord of the Rings stories, too. Be I'm going to give Dynamic J the win. Jean-Luc Picard, or, uh, Patrick Stewart is Jean-Luc Picard. Win. Done. I, I'm out. I, I'm not even going to fight that one. That might be one of the best ones ever. Well, oh, then, and also, and also the coup. Spider-Man. Whatever. The coup. Oh, shut up. He's fantastic. Who's been better at Spider-Man? Tobey Maguire. Oh, no. Go. Not another one. God damn it. We're not going. We're not going on that. Path. Uh, all right. So wrestling questions. We got to get out of here. Quick one. Yes. Do you prefer Peyton or Billy? I'm a I'm a Billy K guy. I know Peyton. Sheriff McDonald is a Peyton Royce guy. I'm a Billy K guy. We've had this conversation between the two of us. Sorry, Jared, for outing you. No, ex- no explanation. Peyton. Fair. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Yeah, man waited 15 years to play Deadpool. Amen, Marshall. <sighs> Okay, wow, we're going to get yeah. stuck on that. That's going to be a yeah. whole podcast. That's yeah. a whole we, podcast. We might have to fire the concession stand back up with me and you <laughs> at this rate. We'll bring oh, Andy Lord. when when he's not buried with work. 
Uh, thank you, Brandon. Next up, Billy asks, Hello, my friends. Wasn't going to ask anything this week. Just wanted to give you both a big thanks. Thank you. Thank you, man. I thank gave you. up on all wrestling podcasts, basically. Stumbled upon you. Knew you were different. So thank you for just being awesome dudes. Thank you, Aww, Billy. Dude. Uh, in typing this out, I had an epiphany. Controversial statement I'd like your opinion on. Mm. There's very few actual wrestling fans anymore. Only fans of backstage politics of wrestling. They only care about dirt sheets, what Uncle Dave has to say, what companies sh people should sign with, and who gets pushed over what other guy they have a personal affinity for, not understanding all the analytics that goes into who gets pushed and when. You know me, I watch and love everything, but it seems most others just just to hate watch and only pay attention so they can complain. I have a, I have a quick response to this. Okay. Maybe not, maybe not quick, but I have a response to this. Um, and that is that when you go online and read forums or get any kind of feedback, you're listening to those people only. Yeah. You're not hearing from the people that are just going there to watch the, the fireworks and the, the big moves and they're bringing their kids and they're just enjoying it and not thinking too hard about it and not doing all the things that you're saying. You're not hearing from those people because they are, you know, by definition, more casual about it. You're only hearing from the hardcore people online. And as with any sport or any interest – a lot of people tend to be very opinionated. If you look at people talk about football teams, Jesus Christ, the amount of vitriol and second-guessing and, and you know, couch quarterbacking that you see just in American football, and I'm sure it's the same in, in international football, oh, soccer. Premier League is... Rugby. Oh, you talk about toxic? Baseball. <laughs> good God. You, oh, baseball. You talk about toxic. He shouldn't have put that batter in then. Like, it's, it's across the board. It's not just wrestling. Um... And I, when he says that there are very few actual wrestling fans anymore, I, I disagree with that. I think that there is a good percentage of the fandom that can be very toxic. And their reasons for liking wrestling are maybe not, I don't know, pure isn't the word, but it's, it's not just for the love of the product. They want to feel mentally stimulated by it and, and get some sort of superiority um, feeling from it, like they know there's a, there's a there's a gigantic culture going on right now. I think in just in civilization as a whole of feeling like an expert on something. Yeah. Right. And the first thing I'll tell you when you listen to this show is, I don't say that I'm an expert on this. I watch a shit ton of wrestling. Um, I watch a shit ton of a lot of stuff. Uh, Nick, I know you do too. Um, and from digesting all of that, I have opinions based on that experience. But I'm not by any means saying that I am the be-all, end-all or that I have all the answers or that anything that I say is an absolute truth. But a lot of people want to say those things and say that, well, I know better. And that's, that's just not true, but it makes them feel good. Um, and that, but that's not just wrestling. That's everything. So Think about why you go on social media. There's usually two, maybe three reasons. One, one of the, the most strongest one of those is to express an opinion or to share something that you saw and what you think about it. It's opinionated posting. Most of it is. That's kind of most of what it sure you can share pictures of babies and you can show pictures of pets and you can share mm -hmm. openly like that, but most of it, especially in in any sort of sport or movies and TV or anything like that is usually to express an opinion. And the problem is, is that was fine in the beginning, but what it's turned into is sort of this validation mechanism where you're either intentionally trying to poke at somebody because 
you want to be an antagonist or you're looking for a validation, an echo chamber of validation. Sure, uh, a, right. a, a bias confirmation. Confirmation bias, exactly. It's that kind of stuff. So it's one of the big reasons you don't see me in particular or our show account engaging that much other than sharing news yeah. uh, and things like that on, on Twitter specifically is because of that very reason. I don't want us to be perceived as some kind of end-all, be-all, know-it-all organization. I, I can't imagine what Dave Meltzer's day must be like responding to tweets he and he he deals with a lot of crap that guy gets a lot of crap and 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 honestly like compared to a lot of people that are out there in his in a similar position to his probably not as obviously tenured um he deals with a lot of it and he i don't think he deserves it i think the guy is you know there's a lot i'm actually very bullish on on dave Meltzer as a whole I, i can you know obviously level critiques at him as anyone can but i think the guy for the most part is trying to do his best that being said, one of the things that he's talking about here is that people are more interested in the backstage stuff. Well, that's because kayfabe's been broken, I feel. And now that it's been broken, we engage with it the way that we do any other entertainment media. And they have whole magazines, or they used to have magazines back when magazines were a thing. They have whole websites devoted to the backstage politics of making a freaking movie or a TV show. Who's sleeping with who? What producer paid what to get involved with the project? Are they having financial problems? Are they having reshoot problems? You know what? What stars are in it? What are the negotiation? What are the negotiations to get which star in which movie? These are all things that you know. It's not just the wrestling business, but now that the wrestling business has been, for better or for worse, exposed as being another entertainment product, uh, it's going to be treated in a similar way. Where we're interested in how it's made, as well as just the actual, you know, product itself, the stories that are being told there. Yeah, people who are watching TV shows. You know, Game of Thrones. Everyone's wondering, hey, you know, what's the budget going to be for the next season? They're not. They're not just asking. Okay, they just killed so and so. How are they going to come back from that? They're doing that, but they're also ask, asking, you know, what are the are the are they going to be able to write the final season as well as it should be written? The answer, of course, is no. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So I, again, I don't think that that's. I don't think that there's not fans of wrestling anymore. I think that they're consuming it differently, um, but also that. The loudest voices in the room are those ones that you're you're hearing here, um, and it's unfortunate because there's a lot of people that are engaging in it, but just aren't doing it with that level of vitriol. But unfortunately, you find that kind of across the board. Yeah, it, it's really not wrestling specific. There's a no. certain kind of people that like to be that loud, like to <laughs> right? Like to poke constantly and hey, try, to, try to elicit a response. Uh. And unfortunately, Dave is more than happy to engage them in their. They're the ones that want to pull on the dog's tail to get a reaction, as opposed to petting it and training it, and you know. Couldn't have said it better. Exactly. So Uh, let's see. He says once again, thank you both, thank you to all the phenomenal ones. You are all simply phenomenal. Phenomena. Thank you very much, man. Thank Thank you, you, Billy. Next up, Yardy. Uh, Hey guys, I hope everybody's doing well. My question this week is: What are some of the best wrestling documentaries? to watch uh it's a slice of time but you know beyond the mat obviously it was it was a classic um the rise and fall of ecw um is around here somewhere and then they've got they that in conjunction with because that's a wwe production so they spin history on it but then there's another one which is the uh, the uncensored story of ecw watching those in at the same time you get both sides of the story guys who are you know 
in WWE and then the guys who are out of WWE and you get more, kind of more of the whole picture. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Dark Side of the Ring going on right now. It's in its second season. Those it's, are those are fantastic. Uh, it's some of the most unbiased stuff that you'll yeah. see out there. And it's funny because we are seeing more wrestling documentaries now that a lot of the information is being released and they can kind of talk in shoots more often. The actual movie documentaries, there aren't many made about wrestling uh, and certainly not independent of WWE. Uh, well, because well, WWE friend of the show footage. Nick Nimeth is making one right now called Heel about sexual assault and abuse. That's not a documentary though, isn't that? That's not a documentary. Uh, I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, I, I thought he said it was... It was it, based it on reality, be a re- but reenactment or sure, okay. But I, I feel I got the vibe from him that he was. I got the vibe based, he was based on, on true, true yeah. real events. True, yeah, right? but not a not a not a straight <laughs> documentary. Not a documentary, okay. Fine, that's the thing enough. is any documentary that's produced by WWE, you have to take with an enormous block of salt. Yeah, because they they rewrite history on a cow size salt lick. <laughs> oh, big old salt lick. Because they rewrite history on the regular. So, yeah. and they are the ones who seem to produce the most documentary content. So finding independent documentaries about wrestling, you can just go on YouTube and there's a bunch of like shoot interview sites, which is essentially some of the best stuff you're going to get as far as that. that. Um, Ric Flair 30 for 30 is a great Mm -hmm. one. Um, The Honor of the Giant special they did was... The Honor of the Giant special they did was okay, although Vince and Hogan just screwed it up, made up a whole bunch of history. Um, So yeah, there's, there's some suggestions for you. Uh, thank a lot, you of, a lot much. of great books, a lot of great books out there, rest, like books on wrestling, more than documentaries, by the yeah. way. Thank you, Yardy. Uh, next up, Mr. Mopman himself, Sean Clark, says, Gentlemen, peace, love, and blessings to you and all the phenomenal ones. I mean it, guys and gals, hang in there. Because stay-at-home orders and isolation can seriously F with your head. So if you're struggling, reach out to somebody. The only Amen. thing wrong with you is thinking there's something wrong with you. Everybody is going through it. See, I mean, this, that, you talk, that's the mop man. That's right why there. he's the mop man. That's, that's why, why he's, he's the, the moment of positivity guy mm. right there. Thank you, Sean. Book this six-match pay-per-view, AEW versus NXT. The two sides work cooperatively, not Vince buys it like Nick yeah. King. <laughs> yeah, Nick. <laughs> Uh, one kickoff show gimmick match and five main card matches. What would yours look like? Uh, real quick, kickoff show match would also be a ladder match like the one we're going to see today in about half an hour. Yep. <laughs> we got to hurry. Um, we we got to go. Uh, ladder match with NXT, NXT, NXT. Um, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Phoenix, Pentagon Jr. Um, uh the best friends, and uh, Birch and Lorcan. I don't know. Huh? That's the oh, opening okay. opening ladder match. All right, cool. I'd watch opening the ladder shit match. out of that. Um, Matt Riddle versus Pack. That's good. Matt Riddle versus Pack. Did we ever get a proper Matt Riddle Keith Lee match in PWG, or was was Keith had Keith moved on at that point? I remember we had Keith Lee Chucky T, we had Keith Lee Walter. Oh, did Matt and Keith ever? Because I'm thinking Matt Riddle Keith Lee. Dude, what about what about Matt Riddle Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic? Three on three tag match versus the Dark uh, Triangle. Versus Death tri- versus Death Triangle. Death Triangle. Oh, yeah. or or versus um, or or instead of 
pack, save pack for another match and have Lance Archer and Lucha Bros. Um, okay, then we we got we got to roll here. Um, Adam Cole versus Hangman Page, redemption for them writing him off of uh, the 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 Bullet Club. Nice, nice. Um, oh, that pay that off from years ago. Pay that oh, off. Folks. Yep. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I'm trying to think who else is in NXT. Right, uh, Kenny Omega versus Finn Balor. Oh, fuck. oh yeah. Jesus Christ! And um, see, I would go AJ Styles, Kenny Omega. Let's let's bring that back. AJ Styles is not in NXT. Oh, never mind. Come on, Nick. Come on. I thought you were sorry, the. Booking- I, sorry, I thought we were doing WWE, but NXT, I, thought you, the, I thought you were the booking man over here. Well, um, in my world, they bought him, so it's fine. Okay, but we can't use that. Uh, Fatal Four Way. Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, Chris Statlander, Britt Baker. Yeah. Damn. Um, and then... Whoa. This is tough. <laughs> Moxley versus Walter. Main event. Hmm. Come at me. Mm. For some reason, I want to see Moxley versus Velveteen Dream. I can't. I can't explain it. Okay. <laughs> but I. I want to see. Here's how I'll explain it. I want to see the complete polar opposite styles. I want to okay. see pure violent striker versus exuberant. Sort of androgynous flamboyance in a sort of kind of almost in a high flyer style where he's jumping off of stuff and coming right. after mocks like that. Like I feel like for some reason that would those would really go together well. Yeah, I don't know. Nick booking. I just that's I the Nick it, booking. Yeah. All right. That's, that's there you, there's your from. there's your card. I'd watch the crap out of that. There you go, Sean. I would watch the hell out of that. I'd Absolutely. watch the crap out of that. Uh, next up, Kyle. Uh, I hmm. feel like this week in particular has been particularly sad and negative. So this it's been week, brutal. I'll give you guys a question that hopefully gives everyone a bit of a smile. What video hmm. game do you go back to always gives you that wrapped up in a blanket mom giving... Wow. What? I got this. What, what, what video, video game, game do you go, do you back, go back to, to always? always gives you that wrapped up in a blanket mom giving you hot chocolate or a glass of milk, warm and fuzzy feeling? Just to provide an example for me, it's the original Paper Mario Mm. I always come back to that game for that warm, innocent feeling it gives off in, in its characters, music, and imaginative world. I mm. mean, there is an entire section of the game in a toy box. It's hard to get more wholesome. With that said, what game give you guys that wholesome, comfortable feeling? If you don't have a game, feel free to share whatever piece of entertainment does it for you and why. I got Do a you couple have a games. game? Yeah, I got a couple yeah, which, what, go for it. I got a couple. Um, I got to throw Braid out there just because that it's a it's a throwback, but damn, Braid gives me that warm, fuzzy feeling like just wanting like a huddle up and play that game and you know sip something wholesome. Um, but then, as far as like giving me that throwback nostalgic, mom's bringing me hot chocolate, like it's got to be Super Metroid, mm. or it would have to be um, Super Mario World. Yeah, and I was I was in Japan for a little bit when I was young and 
I remember at the time, it was before the Super Nintendo had come out in the States. But in Japan, they had the Super Famicom. Yeah. And every day before I would go to school, I'd wake up and I'd be eating chocolate Rice Krispies and sitting, and, and it was cold out. And so in Japan, you have the tables that are set under the floor and you can sit in the, and, and there's a hole in the floor and you put a blanket, that's, the blanket's attached to the underside of the table. And you put the blanket up over your lap under the table, there's a heater. So you stick your feet down into the hole in the floor under the table and, it's, and you're all warm and toasty under there, under this blanket. And I would sit there with the Super Famicom, you know, barely understanding anything, anything that's going on on screen. I can't read anything, pretty much. It's all in kanji. And playing Super Mario World uh, before I go to school. And so when it finally came out in the States, I already knew like half the game and beat it before all my friends. Cause, uh, but, um, but yeah, that definitely Super Mario World gives me that feeling majorly. Legend of Zelda original one for me. Oh yeah. Once oh, dude, a year, you're... once a year, I still go back and play through. It. I can blow through it in a few hours now. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was like the game that I could not beat when I was a kid in the '80s playing it. I I had the original gold cartridge for oh, NES, yeah. Same. and uh, somewhere along the long story, but it got sold. Um, yeah, the, the Le- Zelda, Zelda, the Zelda, on, the Zelda on Super Nintendo too was another one that's like. Oh, sure, those came but I mean, the one that I go back to and constantly play is the original. Because you're old. Yeah, old oh, man. Yep. Getting kind of old. You can see it in the beard. It's starting to turn gray. <laughs> uh, most of my games were in the heyday first-person shooters, and then I really got into RTS games like Command & Conquer and StarCraft and Age of Empires, and then I discovered World of Warcraft that in 2004 that I still play today. I, I literally have had a subscription every month since November, December of 2004. November of 2004. Dang. Yep. 16 years. Cheapest hobby I've ever had. Even cumulatively. It's cheapest hobby I've ever had. Thank you very much, Kyle. we got to get moving. Uh, Josh, you guys get an interview with Jim Cornette. You each get to ask oh, five God. questions. What are you asking him? As always, thanks for keeping us all sane during this crazy time. So I here's what I'll say. I don't know that there's a question I can think of that he hasn't already addressed or asked in his series that he did where with, uh, what's his name, where Jim Cornette buries the universe. And, I mean, he's literally <laughs> answered yeah. every possible thing you could want to ask Jim Cornette about wrestling. You know what? I won't, I won't ask him about politics, and I won't ask him about any kind of social issues, and I won't ask him his thoughts on modern wrestling. But I'll, I'll pick his damn brain on old stuff, you know, how it was in the old days and that kind of thing like that stuff's fascinating and that's really all i want to hear him talk about because aside from that it's, it's all pretty toxic but yeah you know as far as a mind for old wrestling i mean you see him being interviewed on dark side of the ring right now and he's fascinating the guy is, is an orator and he's a, he's a the way his way with words is unique sometimes for better or for worse but you know when he talks about the way things were and how things I, – I just want to sit and listen. I mean, I, I, as far as like what specific questions I would ask him, I have to do a little research on where he was and what he was doing specifically to really kind of nail that down to five things. But it would probably be questions along the lines of, hey, tell me about this match. Right. How, was it, how was it to work with so-and-so? You know what I mean? Like it would be questions along those lines and just let him – let him corn it off about something. Hearing him tell the stories of the fire startup, uh, leaving WCW, starting up Smoky Mountain Wrestling, 
how he was just told, well, if you don't like this, maybe you should just go home. And he actually, and they did. They actually just walked out and left. And they called him and said, hey, are you coming back? And he was like, no, I'm not coming back. I'm going to go do this other thing. And they were like, really? Just, just stop him. He is a story. Yes. Yeah. He can be a triggering asshole racist dickhead sometimes. Yeah. He's always working. But the exactly. He's always exactly. working. Exactly. I would I mean, you know, questions like, hey, man, if you had to take one person for a, a like some of the questions we get, like if you had to book this, how would you do that? You know what I mean? Like, I would love to ask him the question we just got about, you know, booking AEW versus NXT match, even with his thoughts about AEW. Like, OK, what would you what would he book that? I would be fascinated to know what yeah. who he values, who he thinks would make good matches. I'd and I love some of the patron I'd bet questions you get a good card. There, I you, bet you'd you, get a good card from him. Yeah, you would. Doing that. Yeah, you so, would. Yeah. Thank you very much, Josh. Uh, next up, Esme. She says, hola, the papi. Champ. Oh, we're doing, we're doing Latino now. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, hola, papis. Oh, Nick, don't do it. Let me do it. Let me do it, for Christ's sake. Okay. Hola, papis. Solo tengo una pregunta hoy. ¿Quién es tu favorito luchador mexicano quien actualmente está vivo? So basically what she's saying is, hello, I've only got one question today. Who's your favorite Mexican luchador who's actually alive, who's still alive right now? Who's your favorite living Mexican luchador? Pentagon. Ray, Ray Mysterio, dude. All right. I mean, I've, I've, let's, let's, let's not take the obvious choices. Who, who else? Um, I'm a big fan of um, Barbario Cabernario. I love uh, Volador. Um, uh, dude, Aerostar, I think, is, under, is, is underappreciated. Um. Also He's gonna have to throw it out there for Atlantis. <laughs> That's his problem. Psycho Clown is great. Um, I've been fascinated by Dr. Wagner ever since he unmasked. He's still out there doing shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've always got love for Blue Demon. And he's still around. Um, that guy just he's classic luchador cool to me. You know what I mean? Because he shows up in a suit with the blue, that beautiful blue mask. And it's just awesome. It's awesome. I also put, um, I put a, a movie in the Facebook discussion group recently that was, uh, it was Blue Demon and El Santo versus the monsters. And it's basically just this goofy, like, I mean, it's not intentionally goofy, but it's them fighting these big rubber monsters and it's, it's, out, it's out freaking standing. So. Nice. Yeah, there's a few. Oh, um, uh, Ijo de Vikingo, the son of Viking, is you might see him show up in AEW in the she next year. She asked for your too. favorite, not all of them. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite? Ray Mysterio? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Ray, because Ray Ray's still around. He's the he's the greatest. He's yeah, the greatest currently I, alive. I, I gotta say, I gotta say Pentagon. I'm still absolutely obsessed with the Pentagon Jr. we got in, in first season of Lucha Underground. Yeah, and he's still kind of playing that character across AAA, across AEW. But it's, it's watered down. It's watered down. I th- it hurts. I, got, I think they got to give him a singles run in AEW, and I think he'll redeem him. You know, I, I just maybe I feel like the teaming up with Phoenix is kind of is what did that a little bit. Fingers crossed. Yep. Uh, last but certainly not least, Marshall. Thank you very much, Esme. Great. Thank question. you, Esme. Thank you, love. Uh, recently listened to an episode of 83 Weeks that went over the forming of the NWO. 
Mm. The most interesting segment of the story was who the third man was going to be, and Eric said that Sting was going to be the guy if Hogan didn't commit. Oof. How much different would the history of wrestling be if it were Sting that would have been the leader of the NWO rather than Hogan? Thanks again for what y'all are doing through this. Nia Jax themed reality. Um, nice. It, I mean, obviously, history would have been very, very different, and I don't know if WCW would have been competitive to the WWE if that were the case. No, they needed a, um, they needed they a needed recognized figure. 100,000%. They needed to have, not only that, but there's a reason that Hogan's heel turn is considered one of the greatest heel turns, if not the greatest heel turn of all time. It was a absolute paradigm shift. It was, an, it was a complete changing of the landscape. It subverted a lot of things that people believed about wrestling at the time. Uh, it took a lot of people's childhood heroes, and it was the perfect timing for that because people that were raised you know, with Hulk Hogan, say your prayers, eat your vitamins. If you were eight, year old, eight years old, 1988, if you were 10 years old, 1988, as I was, uh, 11, then Hogan was the epitome of everything good. So he turns... And all of a sudden is like this kind of And you're old enough evil, to understand cool that he's a dick now. Because yeah. you right? That and then also it's it's so watchable. It was yeah. so cool, but like also so you know that yeah. was, was ninety five, right? And having Sting as the foil to that, where he was like the crow, and so that was him being the crow sting was super cool. Everything was cool about WCW for a while there. Because it was Hogan as a bad guy in the NWO. And Sting was the other guy. If you'd had Hogan be the good guy, I'm, I'm not saying that's what it is, but just Sting is the Sting is the bad guy in NWO. Okay, but it wouldn't have had the, anywhere near the impact. And Hogan staying a face would definitely not have worked because people were so over that shtick, by that so over. Like it's hard it's hard to overstate how done people were with Hogan and his Hulkamania at the time. So, yeah, no, that's. I can't even imagine how how different the '90s would have been if it had been Sting instead of Hogan and NWO. It would it wouldn't have been the same at all. I don't know if we'd have the Attitude Era. I don't know. I mean, everything. Oh, would that's have been a good different. point too. Because like, the whole point of the Attitude the, Era was the, they had to combat Hogan and the NWO and the in WCW. That was their yep. big draw. Yep. Just wow. I, I'm sitting here trying to process like, okay, so Sting is in the Hogan role at the front of NWO. What's Hogan? Sting to combat. Hogan had to put face paint on and was flying down from the from the. He had to get he had to get gritty too. He had to get gritty. We had to get right? like a sting. Sting was based on the WCW kind of Hogan with like the but, hey I'm a surfer dude woo you know like he had to go dark to combat the darkness. So but it was cool. Re- it was edgy. Reverse that. What does Hogan do in in that role? It, yeah, I ate my vitamins this morning and bro Hulkamania and uh uh-uh. uh no gonna, it doesn't work ain't gonna work. <laughs> Ain't gonna work. And uh, Hogan is like Crow Hogan is basically what he was in the NWO anyway, and it worked then. Wouldn't have worked if he was a good guy doing it. No. What did he have no. to do when he came back to WWE? When he went good again, he went right back to Hulkamania, red and yellow. Yep. So. Yeah. Well, for a minute, Hollywood Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that's it. That's all our questions. Thank you very much, guys, for all of your amazing questions every single week that you guys bring to the table. They're always a good time. It's one of our favorite things to do every single week. We love you guys for it. And those of you, special shout-out to everybody in the live chat here on YouTube. Thank you guys for showing up. For those of you listening at home uh, on audio only, you're missing out on the live broadcast here. So you can come back and watch it on demand on YouTube, though, uh, right here at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. Just make sure you subscribe to the channel and got your notifications turned on because we are also introducing on Monday, our BWO Daily Show, where we'll bring you uh, short segments, short videos of the hottest news of the day in professional wrestling and sports entertainment. So make sure you subscribed right here at youtube.com slash busted wide open. You can also find us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Uh, over on Facebook, come search for Busted Wide Open and get into the discussion group, as well as liking our page for all kinds of other good stuff. And uh, get into the Discord because we're getting ready to jump over here in about, oh, 15 minutes and watch AEW Double or Nothing happening tonight. Pay the 50 bucks. Those guys and girls are working hard for you, and they earned it, and they deserve it. Make sure you guys are contributing to their continued work and success uh, by doing so. We support that wholeheartedly. Uh, last but certainly not least, again, patrons, this show is for you. Mm. Thank you guys for all of the questions. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, if you'd like to get in and ask your questions every week, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. All you got to be in is that $5 tier at the bottom. Just $5 a month, you can get your question in every single week, and we'll answer it here live on the air for you, just as we got done doing today. Yeah. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.